Beginning on the second of the month, Radio Wave will begin the broadcast with information from around the world. This will help to expose you to information that is not easily found and often hidden in the mainstream news. Also, to help you by placing Our Lady's messages over the issues as template to see more clearly the correct mentalities to adopt as the world grows in darkness. From the Medj Network Information Service, I'm Robert John. An American court orders a 10-year-old homeschool student into government school. Amanda, a 10-year-old Christian homeschool student in New Hampshire, was ordered by the court to attend a government-run public school for her sincerely held religious beliefs. After a divorce, a source of contention between Amanda's parents has been the mother's choice to homeschool Amanda since first grade, and since she and her husband failed to come to common ground, the issue moved to the court. A court-appointed guardian analyzed Amanda's situation. The analysis showed that Amanda was excelling in her school district-approved curriculum and testing, and public school instructors, where she attends classes in art, Spanish, and P.E., said that Amanda was well-rounded in her social skills. But a sticking point arose concerning her Christian faith. Part of the court order stated that the counselor found that Amanda, quote, appeared to reflect her mother's rigidity on questions of faith, unquote. Although the court noted that it is extremely reluctant to impose on parents a decision about a child's education, it ruled that Amanda must attend a public school to best serve her intellectual and emotional development, and that in the public school she would be exposed to different points of view at a time in her life when she must begin to critically evaluate multiple systems of belief and behavior. Alliance Defense Fund allied attorney John Anthony Simmons has filed a motion to reconsider, and he says this ruling is dangerous to homeschoolers because it will set a precedence for other cases. Simmons believes that the court should have focused solely on the academic merits of Amanda's education, which proved to be excellent. Simmons also says that Every time you have a court order that uses a wrong standard or misapplies constitutional law, everyone's rights are eventually at stake. Because what happens with precedence is it gets expanded. It gets cited in other cases. It is Our Lady who warns us, October 24, 1988. Dear children, your mother wants to call you to pray for the young of the whole world, for the parents of the whole world, so they know how to educate their children and how to lead them in life with good advice. Pray, dear children, the situation of the young is difficult. Help them. Help parents who don't know who give bad advice. This is Medj Network Information Service. Ireland is adopting an anti-blasphemy law. The anti-blasphemy law would provide fines up to $35,750, or €25,000, for publishing or speaking anything intended to be grossly abusive or insulting in relation to matters held sacred by any religion, thereby causing outrage among a substantial number of the adherents of that religion. Justice Minister Dermot Ahern 
says the law was written to clarify a blasphemy provision in the Irish Constitution. But in an age when countries are repealing such regulations, critics say, it is a step backwards. British atheist Richard Dawkins, in a statement read last month at the first meeting of Atheist Ireland, said, quote, It is a wretched, backward, uncivilized regression to the Middle Ages. Who was the bright spark who thought to besmirch the revered name of Ireland by proposing anything so stupid? Unquote. Carl Siegfried, a member of the Swedish Parliament, has filed a complaint with the European Commission over the new blasphemy law out of his concern that Swedish citizens traveling in Ireland could be punished for merely expressing a view on a religion or religious symbol. Michael Nugent, chairman of the group Atheist Ireland, expressed anger over the blasphemy law to the Canadian news service CanWest. Nugent says, quote, If Justice Minister Ahern tries to enforce the law, his group will come up with a suitably outrageous blasphemy to challenge it, unquote. All this in a time when the Holy Virgin Mary comes to the earth and says, March 25, 1999, I call you to pray for conversion of sinners, for those who pierce my heart and the heart of my Son Jesus with the sword of hatred and daily blasphemies. This is Medj Network Information Service. Is your money safe in the bank? Not according to John Kansas, CEO of Bank United. He said the U.S. banking system will lose some 1,000 institutions over the next two years. Kansas says that already 81 banks went under this year. The numbers are climbing every day, Kansas says. This comes at a time when the FDIC has established new rules on bank sales. Private equity, for instance, would have to hold double the capital of their competitors in order to buy such an institution, says Kansas. Therefore, it is more difficult to rescue banks which will fail. Meanwhile, much of the commercial realty problem resides in the regional and small community banks, says Kansas. Because larger banks haven't fueled that sector in the past, regional banks will likely have trouble. Kansas also stated, quote, Unfortunately, we're not seeing any evidence of a recovery in the real estate market, unquote. The Blessed Virgin Mary said on May 2, 2009, My poor children, look around you and look at the signs of the times. Do you think that you can do without God's blessing? This is Medj Network Information Service. Atheism is growing stronger in the U.S., when South Florida atheists held their first meeting, they were just five friends having a beer at a bar. And four years later, they've moved to a bigger place, still a bar, with a membership of almost 500, and are known as FLASH, standing for Florida Atheists and Secular Humanists. The Atheists' Darwin Day is in the planning stages. Their bumper stickers read, There is no God, but ice cream is great. Or, what schools need is a moment of science. And atheist billboards read, Being a good person doesn't require God. Don't believe in God? You're not alone. They've recently began picketing prayer meetings in public buildings. Atheist groups are growing all over the United States, 
confronting what they consider a big backslide in the separation of church and state. We're growing by leaps and bounds, says Bob Senatori, one of the early members of the atheists group. The attitude is, if we don't do something about it now, we'll be living under a theocracy. The American Religious Identification Survey recently found that those who claimed no religion are the only demographic that increased in all 50 states, more than doubling to 15%. For atheists, it is a cause. Along with free-thinking and agnostic groups, they are beginning to lobby Congress on everything from stem cell research to civil rights. Sean Faircloth, executive director of the Secular Coalition for America, says the coalition is particularly interested in bringing down state laws that give special privileges to religious-based groups. Groups like his took note when Obama nodded to non-believers during his inaugural address. We've gone from where we essentially could communicate only with Congress to now where we have some open doors at the White House as well, Faircloth said. I see tremendous progress, and I feel real hope for the future. You're going to hear more of us. These atheists are sometimes encountering resistance. In Iowa, authorities removed atheist ads from the sides of buses after complaints from riders. The authorities later replaced the bus ads after backlash from atheist group organizers. However, when a Christian driver refused to drive a bus bearing the ad, she was suspended. Ken Lukanen, Flash President and State Director of the national group American Atheists, says, We want to dispel myths about atheists, myths about science. Many struggling with non-belief have turned to atheism and science for answers. Ronel Delmont, a book reviewer, says, there are many in misery, emotionally torn apart by their doubts. I've been there. Rather than turning to God for answers, Delmont began studying science and atheism, and Carl Sagan became her hero. What of those who, knowledgeable, reject God's existence in the name of humanism and atheism? Our Lady said, June 16, 1983, I have come to tell the world that God is truth. He exists. April 11, 1988 Pray now for people who curse against the name of God. And October 1981 The West has made civilization progress, but without God, as if they were their own creators. The Croatian Times reports, President Stepan Mesic, believes all Catholic crosses should be removed from Croatian state offices. Message believes the Catholic Church itself should have asked for that to be done because no religious symbols should be allowed in state offices in a secular country. Message's reaction came in response to the Catholic weekly Glass Concilia allegation that Message was a traitor. The newspaper has been opposed to him for years. In an interview on Croatian National Radio, HR, the president said he did not want to argue with the church, but that it was wrong for a weekly newspaper published by the Zagreb Archdiocese to call the head of state a traitor. The president accused the church of having a privileged position because it received a large subsidy from the state. In a Christian culture, 
it is a paramount necessity for biblical values and signs to be threaded throughout government. However, secular Christians are continuing to help pave the path to an atheistic culture to take over. Our Lady's Words of January 25, 1997 You are creating a new world without God, only with your own strength, and that is why you are unsatisfied and without joy in the heart. And what is the future of those Christians who no longer want to benefit from God, such as crosses and other Christian symbols in public buildings and the culture? January 10, 1983 Men who go to hell no longer want to receive any benefit from God. They do not repent, nor do they cease to revolt and to blaspheme. They make up their mind to live in hell and do not contemplate leaving it. This is Medj Network Information Service. Also in Croatian, atheist posters may soon appear on Zagreb trams. Posters with the atheist slogan, No God, No Master, may be put on Zagreb trams in September. The Daily Novi List has reported that Zagreb Electric Tram Company, ZET, has already had a few meetings with the feminist association WomenNet. WomenNet is a member of the Coalition for Secularization that has already tried to put such posters on public transport. The Coalition exists to promote atheism. WomenNet member Bojana Genoff said today, Tuesday, September 1, 2009, that she was very optimistic and believed the posters would soon be on Zagreb trams. Similar posters have already been seen in Spain, the UK, and Italy. The Croatian Catholic Church has declined comment on the posters. Our Lady speaks of this dangerous move, and especially where the people gave way even through silence to such open attacks upon the very principle that holds society together. Our Lady said, March 18, 1996, Do not reject from yourself the name of God, that you may not be rejected. Accept my messages, that you may be accepted. Decide, my children, it is the time of decision. This is Medj Network Information Service. A new bill would give President emergency control of Internet. Internet companies and civil liberty groups are alarmed that a proposed U.S. Senate bill handing the White House the power to disconnect private sector computers from the Internet is being introduced. Senator Jay Rockefeller, a West Virginia Democrat, has spent months drafting behind closed doors a 55-page draft of a Senate bill known as S-773, which will permit the president to seize temporary control of private sector networks during an emergency. But many are concerned about the president having the ability to create a crisis to silence and stop networking of those opposed to the nation's present course. The law would allow the president to declare a cybersecurity emergency, relating to non-governmental computer networks, and do what's necessary to respond to the threat. Other sections of the proposal include a federal certification program for cybersecurity professionals and a requirement that certain computer systems and networks in the private sector be managed by people who have been awarded that license. 
Lee Tien, a senior staff attorney with the Electronic Frontier Foundation in San Francisco, said, As soon as you're saying that the federal government is going to be exercising this kind of power over private networks, it's going to be a really big issue. The loss of liberty grows daily and is directly tied to immorality. Our Lady says, September 25, 1986, I am calling you so that by your prayer and your life, you help to destroy everything that's evil in people and uncover the deception that Satan makes use of. You pray that the truth prevails in all hearts. For the Medj Network Information Service, I'm Robert John. This is Medjugorje.com. Stay tuned for our regular radio wave broadcast, brought to you by Caritas of Birmingham. She lay dying at only 23. Nineteen years before, she miraculously survived smallpox, which left her partially blind, her face with deep-pitted scars. While the children isolated her because of her looks, they stoned and persecuted her for her fervent desire to be a Christian. She prayed to the Great White Spirit to send a missionary to pour the water over her head. Sixteen years of prayer was answered when a missionary came through, and from that moment, Tekawitha's heart was no longer upon the earth, rather in heaven. She served others with such care that God shone in her. Many Mohawks began to see beauty in her. At the same time, jealousy and hatred boiled to a point that they began to plot the killing of the frail Mohawk Christian. Fleeing the banks of the St. Lawrence River in New York, she arrived in Canada, where she lived with other Christians. They soon learned a jewel was amongst them, a spirit radiating such beauty and kindness that many Indians and missionaries themselves were drawn deeper into the Christian life. Tekawitha was a Christian for only four years. Upon her death in 1676, many witnessed her scars vanish and her skin become almost a pure white physically reflecting the inner beauty that filled her soul. All were amazed at the beauty of the maiden who lay before them. Word spread, and thousands of Indians converted, as well as many through the centuries, upon hearing of her holy life, which gave witness to God's love. Tekawitha stands in sharp contrast with society's hunger for beauty. For true beauty radiates first from the heart. Today's answer to beauty is not in makeup, but in the heart. To be beautiful love to love serve to be able to serve others forgive as tekawitha did peace is the fruit today is wednesday september 2nd 2009 and this is Radio Wave.
Good evening, everyone, and thank you for joining us on tonight's broadcast of Radio Wave. Our host is a friend of Medjugorje, and tonight we'll be discussing with him the message we received earlier today uh, through Mariana. And uh, for those of you, again, uh, for those new that are new to Medjugorje.com and Radio Wave, on the second of every month, Mariana goes before Our Lady on behalf of all non-believers. And so tonight, as we begin this broadcast, we ask that you open your hearts in prayer as we turn Radio Wave over to our host, a friend of Medjugorje. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. May we lay our hearts bare for you, that all hatred may disappear from the earth. The man will come to love you, know you, honor you, and allow you to bring them to their Son. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. <clears throat> well, we want to thank you for welcoming us into your home again, once again. That home may be mid-afternoon somewhere in Australia or uh, late in the middle of the night in Croatia. But uh, nevertheless, here, you're on an evening in time in, in America. But as we've seen more and more and our audience grows bigger and bigger, we see that people from all over the world are tuning in because they want to connect. And while there's very difficult structures in society and the culture that separates and what was 2,000 years ago where people wanted to form community uh, couldn't, it evolved to exactly that. And so that's one format of this program was to connect people that you could hear and see and talk and, and read about the message. Uh, so many people complained to us through the years that they would get the 25th message or some message that already gave and they were all alone. I mean, their excitement, the joy, they didn't have anybody to share or, or, or see what everybody else was saying about it instantly. And that was one of our goals with this that our Lady Inspire was to to allow you to connect and see where well, they're thinking the same thing I'm thinking or this message speaks to me in this way and then they learn that that, that applies to their life. So you learn from that. Even the feedbacks we're putting on the Medjugorje headlines, people are, are learning, you know, for everyone put on there, there's 500 that say or might see that and think, you know, that's right or some insight that may help them and the encouragement and that they're not alone. If anything, the culture's building is to isolate us who are wanting to grow in our ladies' our ladies way. The whole structure of society is to isolate you. And the very big moves being made now, as you heard the, the newscast before, is uh, this growing darkness of atheism, aggressively seeking to, to do harm to the Christian society that we are. In both Europe and here and other parts of the world, Australia are Christian nations. You know, their roots are Christianity. And so there's great moves right now by the secular to, to change that. And even as the president of Croatia, the secular Christian, is helping to pay the way. The Christian just in name. And so we hear this and see this and say, what in the world is happening? And as we, uh, <clears throat> I think I wrote on the 25th, the question that has to be asked is, is why is already coming here for 28 years? It's pretty apparent. We never dreamed in 1981 we'd be seeing the problems when we went to Medjugorje in 86, or you might have gone in 91 or 95. The the present time, we wouldn't even thought it in 2002, of what's facing us right now, even up to 2004 or 2005. We, did not, we couldn't even imagine just four or five years ago the assaults and the things coming on us so quickly. 
And so our lady's message today to Mariana reveals something about our future. And so our message of September 2nd, 2009 says, Dear children, today with a motherly heart, I call you to learn to forgive completely and unconditionally. You suffer injustice, betrayals, and persecutions. But by that, you are closer to and dearer to God. My children, pray for the gift of love. Only love forgives all. As my son forgives, follow him. I'm among you, and I am praying that when you come before the Father, you can say, Here I am, Father. I followed you, your son. I had loved and forgave with the heart because I believe in your judgment and trusted in you. Thank you. So an outstanding message, really about the present, but also about the future. And it's... And it's um, unsettling in some ways and consoling in other ways. That yes, we have been on the right path. Yes, we have been persecuted. Yes, we have had to stand up to a lot of difficulties and betrayals. And now it's all payback time in some ways just by these words that we're on the right path because this is real. We're coming into a, a time that you know, it's like the Bible says, you, you know, people be frightful of the roaring of the waves. Just looking at this message from first glance, there's a lot of things, of course, and a lot of questions that come to mind, and um, it's difficult to um, pick out one over the other. But uh, there's obviously key statements in this message that Our Lady gave that uh, kind of stick out more than the others. Uh, Our Lady's statement, you suffer injustice, betrayals, and persecutions, but by that you are closer to and dearer to God. And isn't it interesting... And that Our Lady does not um, justify, uh, or rather, Our Lady does not um, say that, well, you shouldn't be suffering injustice, or you shouldn't be betrayed, or you shouldn't be persecuted, and as a poor me mentality. And I know there's a lot of people today who use injustice for their cause, and uh, perhaps maybe Our Lady's contradicting that in the message today. Well, I think we have a whole mentality, a victim victimization mentality of, of so many so many possess, it's, it's not godly, it's not Christian, it's not even based on any Christianity. And all those voices hollering out there, poor me, this happened to me, or, my, or I'm down on my luck. This is, this is a contradiction of the Christian principle that whatever befalls you, you accept and carry your cross. And we've got a whole society now, and large segments of our society, which says, oh, this happened to me, or... 200 years ago, this happened to my forefathers. It's garbage. I don't care. What is this? What is this about? Where do you find any Christian principles you can stand on saying, hey, thank God my forefathers came here and suffered. My grandfather came from Italy with nothing at 14. And was persecuted, looked down on, was a dirty Italian, went to Colorado and worked. I thank God he went through what he went through. You know, Europe's not in the best. Europe's not in the best shape right now. I'm glad I'm I'm here. I'm glad I'm an American. I love my Italian roots. At the same time, I'm not going back there and like thinking, oh, 
oh, poor me or poor my father. You know, we've got a whole victim society that we are pandering to. And they're going that way instead of saying, come up. Come up to a good uh, standing in, in a cultural way that you can flourish. And we, we've turned into a, um, a dependent uh, group and several groups that actually goes uh, into uh, because I'm this way or now we're into lifestyles and to sin and, and, and you got rights for this. And all this is, is totally contrary. Jesus wouldn't teach this. Jesus, Jesus would sit there and say, well, whatever's befallen you, I want you to accept that. Let that form you and make you a better Christian and be the better for it. That was what built this country, not what the mentality we have now. We're destroying it. It's being destroyed. And the rest of the world's being destroyed because we're using this whole thing that everybody now has moved into a position that you can be what you want to, how you want to, do whatever you want to do, and nobody can question that. And if you say that, anything in contradiction of that, you, you're censored. And you're, you're said, you can't say that. This is wrong. And they, they say that, you know, you're, you're, you're filled with hate or you're full with uh, a hate speech. That's, that's pretty interesting because I'm sure that there's probably a lot of people out there that think that, that they're afraid to say it. And because maybe they fear for whatever reason that maybe they're, they sense it in their heart that maybe there's truth to it. They know it. They feel it. But they're just afraid to say it. Well, we've got a whole uh, mentality that we we have put a false compassion up saying, oh, you poor thing. And and you, you've had to go through this and you've had to go through that. And, and, and now we've got... Um, this right and that right. And where does it end? A principal once told me in high school when I claimed that in the 70s when all this was coming up. I said, well, that's my right. He says, your right's in at the end of your nose. Never will forget that. He's a bishop now. And uh, it was pretty, of course, I was called at the office for not behaving that great in school. But but the thing is, is it's true. You know, we we got so many people claiming so many rights is contradicting the people's rights and the and the and the the. The people that are already being productive today are the ones that fought. And, and this hatred has been built. So our lady comes and speaks to us and says, you know, for, for the, to forgive completely and unconditionally, yes. And injustices, yes. Betrayals and persecutions. You know, so this is what different segments of our culture says. Oh, well, it's been an injustice. You know, I've been persecuted. But see, this completely supports the principle I'm saying. Because a lot of these are Christians in these groups. A lady says, but by that you're closer and dearer to God. Because if you were those inflictions, you were those stripes, and you love back, and you forgive, then you're, you're are the ones that can say to the Father, here I am, I followed your Son. I had loved and forgave with the heart. But see, a standard practice and a standard uh, acceptance that we reject this principle now. That anybody has been treated with one single injustice, give me a million dollars. One single uh, persecution, you know, you're owed, you're owed the thinking for the rest of your life. This is destructive, and it's in contradiction 
of every Christian principle that we know. And so we've got a whole nation of people that's turning into this now. And and it's just it's destroying us. And it's destroying other parts of the world. So this you know, when you share all these messages, it says much more deeper, it's much more profound. Because when our lady asks us to obey, to be obedient, John, who was close to her, who Jesus gave his mother to at the foot of the cross, as his last one testament, who had nothing else to get but her, before he went to the Father, gave her to John. And, and John says in his writings that love is best displayed by obedience. And so when you're obedient, what happens? You're persecuted and you're betrayed. And so we have this side that many people in the Mexican movement are suffering. Uh, and they, they're persecuted. But yet, these injustices they suffer from, how are they handling that? And so our God says he wants us to handle it. He wants us to accept that, just like Jesus accepted his, accepted his suffering. Once we do this, once we understand this principle, then nothing can assail you that you don't deserve. Because we're sinners. And I can say when something happens, I can say, well, I got away with this sin five years ago, 25 years ago, you know, when I was a kid or whenever. And this is just a just sentence for me. Just I offer this for atonement. That's what we used to do with injustices. That's what we used to think when we was betrayed. And when we got persecuted, that's exactly what we used to uh, treat this as. Well, I just deserve that anyway, so I can offer this up in union with Jesus' suffering. Because I've sinned, and I need to atone for it. It doesn't matter whether it's unjust. You don't grade it as an, adjustment, an injustice. You know, the visionaries once were told, um, they, they, they were rejecting Our Lady. The visionaries. Something happened with another group of kids in Medjugorje, and they're in the church, and and, uh, and I think it was Yaakov who complained to Our Lady that this is wrong, and they're not doing right, and such and such and such and such. And Our Lady's answer was profound. She says, there has always been injustices. She didn't sit there and say, oh, you poor thing, go get a government uh, handout or or, or go blame this on somebody else, or go sue somebody, or or go go to your priest and let's have arbitration, or you know, or or whatever. She said instead, there's always been injustices. And how do you overcome injustices? How do you make rightful? How do you make wrongs in society rightful? Uh, turn back to the rightful way, and that's what all he's trying to get us to see that we become love. We stand our ground, and we can accept those things. And that's how the culture is going to turn around. This is a forgotten principle. It's so buried that I don't even think a lot of people can relate to what I'm saying at this moment. It's very difficult people to relate to that. But we've got to realize that when we pray the Our Father, that we're asking God for this, you know. And those who would trespass against us, you know, to forgive them. You know, forgive. We're asking God... Forgive on earth, or rather on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us as we forgive those who trespass against us. Are you doing that? Those are heavy words, very strong words. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us, Lord. Deliver us from what? From evil. Who? The Father. 
So Our Lady says in this message, Here I am, Father. I followed your Son, and I had loved and forgave from the heart because I believed in your judgment. Do you believe in the judgment of God? Thine is the kingdom, thine is the power, and thine is the glory forever. Our Father who art in heaven, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, forgive us and those who would trespass against us. Leading us not into temptation, but deliver us, deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, thine is the power, and thine is the glory forever. Glory forever. Amen. So we're to turn to our Father in a special way. And our ladies repeatedly told us to, to go out into nature to have an encounter with the Creator. Who's the Creator? The Father. What does the Father do? Procreates. And so we have the Creator, the Father, and how much do we look to Him to give our injustices the betrayals of persecutions? And Our Lady's really showing us how to be healed, how to be healed from our past, how to be healed from a sin. You know, recently she says, forgive yourself. That's an important thing, because a lot of people won't forgive themselves for what they've done in the past, and it keeps haunting them. And so, following that, once you forgive yourself, then you forgive others. Do unto others have you to undo, the, undo to them. And so the, the words our lady has given us are so profound and so deep and so contrary to the culture, so contrary to the greed and the selfishness that a lot of us fall on deaf ears. And it's, it's scary. I mean, we're living in dark times. And because of this infertile ground that our lady's words are falling upon and many deaf ears, we have those who are growing in darkness. We have atheism on such a rise. It's like, it's definitely coordinated. Now, some, some of these groups may not know each other, but they, they, they do have one master, and that's the master of darkness. And so we have time to change a lot of things right now. Our lady said at the turn of the millennium, you have a possibility for peace for this next century. And so I thought to myself, and I have thought for several years after that, well, we're going to have 100 years of peace. But I said, you said, she said you had a possibility. But I took it at that moment 
that because we have a possibility she's going to make that happen. That's our wish. But she also said another message that said uh, that a lot of what happens depends upon you. So you say, oh, yeah, well, I let, you know, you have these people, and I cringe every time I hear somebody say, well, God wants it, he'll get it. Okay, did somebody die today on earth? You bet. Did several people die on earth today? You bet. Did all of them go to heaven? You, no. Did some go to, he- go to hell? Did some go to heaven? Did some go to purgatory? You bet. So was it God's will that some of those go to hell today? Was it even God's will that some go to purgatory? You know, so God doesn't give his will because we trump him with our free will. That's the power we have to stand up in front of the God that created the whole universe and put our hands in front of him and reject him. I don't believe in your existence because a lot of this in atheism, it's not that they don't believe in God. It's they reject God. And so they, they've got where they put their fist in front of him and in spite of him, they reject him. Carl Sagan on this news is this woman's hero. Carl Sagan, I could stand listening to him when he was on his shows and science shows years ago. But, you know, I cringed when he died because I knew what he stood for. He was an atheist, an avowed atheist, when there was no, there was no popularity of being an atheist. He stood a standalone. And so now they make him his king. They believe in him. He's my hero. He's my God. So even atheists have that. You know, and what do you got when you're an atheist? What do you have? Nothing. And so, what have you got to lose by trying to believe? And even if you, you struggle with it and say, I don't know about you, God, but I, I want to believe in you. I, I don't know if you exist. And if you go there and say, I want repentance. If you exist, take my repentance. You know, when you die and you go there rejecting this belief in God, you never know you're going to be right if you're right. But if you're wrong, you're going to know forever and ever. So what you got to lose? Believing. Believing God. There's nothing to lose. And we have to go back to why is there so, so much atheism growing? It's because Christians. The secular Christian doesn't believe enough in the cross that he wants to take it down as a president from government buildings. He's fostering atheism. Why should I believe in your God? You don't even have enough gumption to stand up against that. So don't make this a soft message today. That, oh, let's just forgive everybody, and they want to live this way and this lifestyle, and let's just unconditionally forgive them. That's not what I'm already saying here. You stand firm against these things. We fight this in society. Because now we still can do it, as I said. But I'll let you see something coming in the future. And it's not, not going to be pleasant. And once you get to that point and you're led into the Colosseum, the only thing to do is just witness with your death. I will not betray the name of Jesus. And if you take my life, you take my life. Right now, there's a lot of moves just saying, I mean, we could say no, but we're not living as a righteous people. And because we're not living as a righteous people, we can't hold up to the love that we're supposed to. And so to love is to be something uh, that would change everything. And when the atheists see that we're, we're standing up and the non-believer who don't know any better sees that we stand up from what we believe in, they'll come to believe. They left the Colosseum 2,000 years ago. Great is the God of the Christians. Pagans were saying that because they saw them stand up and they began to believe. But we don't have them stand up now. we got a bishop who just revealed that there's a split in the U.S. Bishop Conference because of the historical bishops who were speaking out at the Notre Dame Conference when the president was going there to speak. 
this bishop's basically condemning them. And he's saying that, 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 you know, the majority of the bishops were not for this hysteria. Our local bishop here spoke against it, thank God. And many bishops spoke against it. So you've got a division in that that's starting to come out. And they say the bishop, uh, uh, they say the bishop, these tactics were of a min- minority of bishops. I think it was 50 or 60 bishops that spoke against this, and they were vocal. And so this other bishop, Sheehan, is condemning them for it. The Archbishop of uh, Santa Fe. Santa Fe, New Mexico. You know, he's condemning them and saying, well, we, we need to dialogue. We need to talk. We need to do this. Well, who's going to believe in what he stands for? I believe in the 50 or 60 bishops who stood up and says, this is wrong. We can't accept this. This is a violation of every single thing we do. But Bishop Sheehan wants to dialogue. He wants to talk. And he says we'll make greater strides that way by being open to opponents to life, opponents to everything we stand for as Catholics. And he doesn't believe in sanctions like many of these other bishops do, that a politician pro-life, that's against life and, and against the church's pro-life stance as a Catholic, that he uh, is not to be without communion. And so he basically um, comes down severely on these other bishops that's done that. So we've we got a division taking place right now everywhere. You've got you to gotta stand, you know, bishop against bishop. Where are you going to stand? Well, I'm not building this. This, this has been rele- released this week. And uh, August 22nd, or 26th. And so uh, Sheehan said he spoke out strongly against the strategy being used by these bishops meeting in June in San Antonio, according to the rep- report uh, from John Allen. At the time, some bishops said privately that they were appalled at the conduct of the most vocal opponents, and others said that the debate had become too narrow and partisan, but that the issue was never brought up to the public. The bishop's interview at the time committed, uh, commented anonymously. What is this about? Because a bishop stands and stands up that you are not to receive communion if you're professing that you're for abortion? And you got another, the majority of the bishops, as Sheehan claims, is against this and appalled to this. Sheehan goes on and says, I seek to teach and teach and not to use sanctions, to teach, to talk to people. Like I say, we got more done this year in the state legislature by connecting with people, by saying our peace in a hopeful, reasonable way, without emotion or hysterical. Historical activity doesn't bear fruit. And there's been hysteria in these areas. Hey, I like that hysteria these minority bishops said. I think they're right on. Let's go with it. Okay. You want to keep doing this thing, these state legislatures are going to have you in the Coliseum. And then you, this this kind of mentality will become an apostate. He won't stand up. You say, I have no right to say that. I'm going by what his words are. He's saying, right now, he won't stand up. He won't stand up saying, hey, you want to get communion and go say you want to kill babies? I'm going to give you communion. Apostate. Who am I? I'm nobody. I'm not professing something in my opinion. This is church's teaching. This is the history of the church. Some became apostates and some became martyrs. We got bishops that he's martyring for their hysterical, how he describes it, stance is simply saying, hey, we've got to put our our teachings and convictions into, into life. We've got to protect the Eucharist. 
And he's saying, oh, these are sanctions, like it's Iran or someplace, or Cuba. You know, are we, not, we can't do sanctions. When, when is withholding or, or standing up for the church's teachings is a sanction? You know, what do I even call it that for? So I'm shocked at this. And let's hail these minority bishops, which is a goodly number, who stood up and praised them and honored them. And let's say the truth. Let's just speak the truth. In our face. In our face. And you're against what the church teaches. So we've got to decide where we stand. Do we stand in obedience, following the commandments, following the teachings of the church, following the catechism? Or we sit there and say, well, we're going to dialogue. That's exactly what the devil wanted to do with Jesus. He came to him over and over. And what was the first thing Jesus said? I'm not going to debate you. How did he say that? He didn't say those words. He says, be silent, Satan. Be silent. And so we need to understand what it means that we're not softies. This message today is not a mushy message to forgive. If you have people and family members against you, you stand up for what you're supposed to be standing with with the church. Not if you're disobeying your husband or your kids disobeying your mother. That's not an authority you've got to obey. But because they don't want you to give up the TV because it makes them be convicted that maybe the television is wrong, don't compromise that. You know, because you don't want to eat on on Friday, Wednesday and Fridays because you want to fast and they, they poke fun of you. You stand up to that. If they persecute you for that at family gatherings, then so be it. But you're giving in to that and then having to forgive them because they did that to you. What are you going to change? Stand up to it. Accept the persecutions. Accept the betrayals. Oh, you're a holy roller. Accept all that. Don't give up what you're supposed to do. Don't become what this bishop is doing. You know, keep the purity of what he's saying. And their love is just that. To love is to walk this way, to sometimes be with a lot of people and be all alone, and to follow the path of Christ. To love and be rejected. To spend every effort to help and be turned down. To be in a situation of having to compete to be heard and be silent. To have the answers and not be able to convey them. To lose, knowing you can win rather than being political. To go to the end of the line when you were there first. To tell the truth and it be made a lie. To try to be saintly and to be made out to be a devil. To be on the inside and to be cast outside. To be with many and to know you are really alone. To give yourself unreservedly to others and be a victim of their envy. To dedicate your life to a purpose and that purpose turn against you. To be innocent and be accused. To be stripped of all authority, earthly power and position and be nothing. Is to have one's heart lacerated with humility to the greatest depth and receive at the greatest heights God's blessing of walking Jesus' path. To love. Come to the resting place, a place which exists to help lead you to a deeper understanding of the Gospels. 
Your difficulties and daily trials are not without value. Rather, they are treasures in perfecting your love. First Peter says, Rejoice instead in the measure that you share Christ's sufferings. The Resting Place From Birmingham, take 280 East, left on Shelby County Road 43, then six and one-half miles to The Resting Place at Caritas of Birmingham. You know, our lady's calling us to constantly anew for our conversion. She just said, August 25th, this fresh message, dear children, today, I call you anew to conversion. Little children, you are not holy enough. You do not radiate holiness to others. Therefore, pray, 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 and work on your personal conversions so that you may be a sign of God's love to others. This isn't by caving in or saying, let's take the crosses out of our state buildings because they have no business being in there. It's garbage. If we don't do it and lead the culture by these signs and Christian signs, and we vacate that, saying, let's go to neutrality, that's the goal of the devil. Always remember, Satan doesn't want to put his sign up. He wants to remove that to move things to neutrality. Neutrality is his territory. Once he's got neutrality, there's nothing to navigate society or to point its way or give it signs of the times. His signs naturally will show up and start coming up. You know, there was a priest that gave homilies back in the 1700s at actually St. Teresa, I think it's called the last days, uh, became a nun, little, little Teresa of the Flower. But he said, uh, lastly, it is written that the pride of the man of sin will be boundless. He will open his mouth in blasphemies against God to blaspheme his name. His tabernacle and the saints in heaven, Daniel says, that he will think himself entitled to abolish the customs of the times of the laws. That is, he will suppress feast days and Sunday observances, alter the order of the months and the length and division of the weeks, and remove Christian names from the calendar, replacing them with emblems of the lowest animals. In a word, the counterfeit of Christ will be an atheist in the full sense of the term. He will make away with the cross and every religious symbol. As Daniel again declares, he will substitute the abominable rites of the Christian sacrifice in every church. Puppets will be silenced. Teachers, teaching and education will be lay, compulsory, and godless. Jesus Christ will be banished from the child's cradle, from the altar where the spouses are united, from the bedside of the dying. Over the whole surface of the earth, worship of any God other than this Christ of Satan will not be tolerated. And we, if we don't have the man doing this now, we've definitely got the system doing this. Our system fits this Antichrist spirit system. It's there. All it needs is a head. Is that coming? Who knows what now? But we see a lot of things that's remarkable. Mostly Our Lady giving us this, the Christian signs of the time or her words through, through the, these signs. This is real. Very, very real. And so, what is Our Lady preparing us for? That should be the question that we should do a lot of contemplation during these days. And and just thank God. Thank God for the gift of Our Lady. Uh, I don't know where I'd be. I don't know where you'd be. I don't know where the culture would be. Even though it's spiraling downhill, even though it's things we know that are changing so rapidly, we don't know where we would be had Our Lady not come. 
I don't know what kind of mentality I've been thinking about. Because if you're searching and you don't have anything, we've got something solid to hang on to. We've got an anchor. And this anchor is so strong for us that that um, we we have her. It, it's solid. We can see it. We can touch it. We can feel it. If we if we really want to follow these words, you will be persecuted for it. You know, if you suffer injustices, betrayals, and persecutions, our lady says you're dearer to God. Our lady's voice tells us that even in these trials, we'll get through it. But more than just getting through, we'll break new ground. All this new ground broken in our spiritual life. We experience the hope that comes from the promise of God that he'll be our strength and our weakness. Our lady's repeatedly told us that. She's conveyed this in so many words for 20 years. Our lady's saying that she believes in us and for heaven's sake, Nothing formed against us will ever succeed as long as our hearts are turned to a lady. It's who we should follow will be there. She's the anchor. She's the place. She's the compass. Hope is an anchor and love is a ship. Time is the ocean And life is a trip You don't know where you're going Till you know where you're at And if you can't read the stars Well, you better have a map A compass and a conscience So you don't get lost at sea Or on some old lonely island Where no one wants to be From the beginning of creation, I think our Maker had a plan For us to leave these shores and sail beyond the sand And let the good light guide us through the waves and the wind To the beaches in a world where we have never been And we'll climb up on the mountain, y'all, we'll let our voices ring When those who've never tried it, they'll be the first to sing I see you on the other side If I make it And it might be a long, hard ride But I'm gonna take it Sometimes it seems that I don't have a prayer I'd Let the weather take me anywhere But I know that I Wanna go where the streets are gold cause you'll be there Oh my my You don't bring nothing with you here and you can't take nothing back I ain't never seen a hearse with a luggage rack So I pulled my knees up praying scarred my back from falling down Spent so much time flying high Till I'm face first in the ground So if you're up there watching me Would you talk to God and say Tell him I might need a hand 
to see it for someday. Oh my, my. So I see you on the other side. If I make it. And it might be a long, hard ride, but I want to take it. Sometimes it seems that I don't have a prayer. I let the weather take me anywhere, but I know that I want to go where the streets are gold, cause you'll be there. Cause you'll be there Oh my, my And there is, of course, a lot of things that could be said uh for tonight's show and a lot of subjects that we would like to cover and uh, of course again this message says a a lot more than we think that it says Uh, and Our Lady gives a a very strong command she says follow him and of course that's what we've been speaking about tonight with a friend of Medjugorje Uh, something that um, I thought was really interesting and it's really stuck out to me in the message to be honest with you I really did not understand this part of the message uh, I can't say that I understand any of it but this one specific spot I really thought boy I really don't know what she means by this and it's where Our Lady says um, because I believed in your judgment and trusted in you what is Our Lady saying by that I believed in your judgment and, and what has that to do with um, the fact that Our Lady, that we said we followed your son we had love. We forgave with the heart because I believed in your judgment. Is is it is that is it that major of a of a thing that we just believe in God's judgment? Well, it's very important that we do that, and simply because the whole base, the principle, biblical principle is, especially New Testament principle, is is not a, uh, like the Old Testament tooth for a tooth, but really uh, a tooth for a second tooth. <laughs> we we're willing to forgive and know the vindication is the Lord's. We don't have to vindicate. We don't. We don't have to uh, right every wrong. We we got a mentality in society that somebody because somebody's wrong somebody, then the government's got to vindicate for you. You got to get attorneys. You got to do class action suits. You got to vindicate, and you can't ever be wronged. We actually live in a culture now. It's amazing that nobody uh, that is a, that is the most gravest error. Not error. It's way beyond error. That the most gravest uh, violation in our culture is for somebody to, be, somebody to be wronged. And, you know, except if you're Christian. But if you're if you belong to a variety of different groups, if you're wronged, you're, you're owed the world. And so uh, we we actually are wronged by that. Those who in the Christians are walking that way, we're the ones being wronged. We're the ones being violated. We're the ones being hated. We're the ones being silenced. We're the ones being censored. And so... How do you deal with that? Well, you don't lay over and play dead. That's not what a lady's saying here. But you stand up to it. Uh, we just had a call from somebody who spent some time in, a commu- in our community. And uh, she was at Mass a couple of three days ago. And she saw somebody who was um, going to communion. 
and she looked at him and was watching at, that, at the exact moment that he took the Eucharist in his hand and, and looked around, and that's what made her look at him, I think, is from what the story I was told. And he put the Eucharist in his pocket. And um, he was not from this country. It was very evident that, of that. And so uh, he saw that she saw him. So she went and told her, she told Eucharistic minister, I think, as it goes, and, and uh, they didn't do anything. And then told the priest he didn't do anything. And so she sat back down in the pew, and and I just heard, you know, this is secondhand, so I may have some facts right, but in essence, he started pointing his finger at her, like threatening her. And so she went and told somebody else, and they went over there and asked him, do you have, did you put the Eucharist in your pocket? Duh. You know, that's not what I'd ask him. I'd tell him empty the pockets. You know, you're on our ground. You're on our turf. You don't have to put up with blasphemies like that. Okay? If they blaspheme you, they insult you, and they're on their turf. But we've got to realize we have turf to stand on. Don't misunderstand this message that we just roll over and lay dead. Hey, persecute me. Have you got a stake somewhere, some matches and some sticks? You want to burn me at the stake? This is not what God's talking about. This is not what God's sending our lady to talk to you about. When 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 you're in some place where you're persecuted like in Iran or in China, and that happens, it happens, and you accept that in that way. But this is a Christian society even though it's not behaving in that way and other people are in control of it. So don't think this means roller and play dead. And she didn't. She went after Mass and told the priest nothing was done. I can tell you, in that situation, I would have definitely conf- confronted it. I thought the whole community would confront these things. There'd be 20 guys on this guy. He would walk out of the church with this. And we'd make him empty his pockets. Was it, uh, was it Tarsicius or what was it, the seven-year-old? The seven-year-old who went and got the Eucharist to bring it to Christians... Uh, as the story goes from what I remember a long time ago reading it, and he held it to his chest. The other kids, 12, 13 years old, and this kid was 7 years old, or whatever the ages were, knew he had the Eucharist, so they kept wanting to see it. He wouldn't lift his arms off his chest. He held it dear. And they started beating him, and they beat him to death. He was willing to die for that. And you have people that, that, that have so little gumption that they won't even, first of all, I ask, and then when they are checking out, they, they go there and, and uh, just let it pass. If that's really our Lord, if you really believe that's God, and you know somebody's doing something like this, you've got every right to do that. You could have called 911 and said, this guy's got the Eucharist, our Lord, and our belief in his pocket. We want something done about it. So, you know, him pointing her finger at she needs to forgive the injustice. That's not in question. That's why he's saying forgive, you know, unconditionally. You forgive him. But that don't mean because in our forgiveness we become loving the sin that they're committing. You know, there's something that's fundamental in our society we've forgotten. It's censorship. You need to practice censorship. Do you hear me? Censorship is such a negative term that nobody thinks they can practice it because they're uneducated about it. I brought this up from my encyclopedia at my house in my library. Listen closely to this. This is an encyclopedia under censorship. Supervision and control of information and ideas that are circulated among the people within a society. In modern times, censorship refers to the examination of books, periodicals, plays, films, television, and radio programs, news reports, and other communications, media for the purposes of altering or suppressing parts of thought to be objectionable 
offensive. Did you just hear that? Censorship is to stop things that are objectionable and material which are considered offensive. Where'd that come from? From the encyclopedia. This is what we used to believe. But you've allowed somebody else to put a label on you, book burning you. Oh, I'm not a book burner. I tell you, in my house, I'm a book burner. I tell you, I'm a, I'm a, a, a TV shooter. I took my TV out with my kids and shot the thing. Because okay? I practice censorship in my house. I will always do that. I practice censorship in the community. It's the first thing we tell people to come in. We don't just let any kind of trash and garbage come in here. We're not going to do that. The encyclopedia goes on and says this. The objectionable material may be considered immoral or obscene, heretical or blasphemous, seditious or treasonable, or injurious to the national security. What? You, since when did blasphemous material or heretical or obscene or immoral stuff or treasonable stuff become injurious to a nation's security? This encyclopedia don't know what they're talking about. Get with it. And this is not a 1900 encyclopedia. Yes, I use 1829 dictionary, 1828. But this is a modern dictionary, or rather encyclopedia. The encyclopedia goes on and says this. Thus, the rationale for censorship is that it is necessary for the protection of three basic social institutions. The family, the church, and the state. There you have it, right out of the encyclopedia. Why aren't you living it? Why aren't you putting this in your home and in your little town and in your councils? There's Christians sitting on the city councils and commissions and offices. We've got a right to practice citizenship for the social institutions of the family and the church and the state. You say, well, I shouldn't impose that. Yes, you better impose it, because if you don't, they will, and that's what's happened. We vacated the position. They took over censorship, and you're censored, and you can't even get out on the streets now and object to something objectionable. Or you're full of hate. They're practicing censorship. Remember this. Somebody will always practice censorship. If the moral authority... Those who are given the moral authority by God, and we as Christians have the moral authority to stand up to this. If you vacate that, or you practice quietism, or you'll sit there as a priest, or the Eucharistic lecture, uh, Eucharistic ministers allow this stuff to happen, they'll take over. And that's exactly what is happening. We have vacated our position because we feel to be Christian, we can't practice censorship. We practice censorship on our music. We don't just let any songs in. There's no rap music ever allowed in this community. and never will be. I'd rather it be destroyed than allow this garbage in here. I don't care if it's Christian rap music that's talking about Jesus this and Jesus that, whatever they say. The beat of it is satanic. It's not harmonic. The symphony of the choirs of the angels are in harmony with God. God is order, not disorder. This music is from the devil. It don't matter what it says in the words of his Christian. But see, our lady's just told us, you've lost your power of discernment. And so we don't know. We don't learn anything from our daddies. And in the South, we say daddies. Because we don't know about love anymore. We don't understand what love is. And we don't know how to practice censorship. We don't know how to sit there and say... We're going to love, but we're not sissies because we love. 
It takes a man to do what Jesus did to be allowed to be spit in the face. But he never vacated his convictions. He never said, okay, yeah, okay, the adulterer woman, don't throw those stones at her because you sin too. But okay, you can continue sin. He says, go and sin no more. Are you standing up to that? You'll be persecuted for that. You'll be betrayed for saying those things. And you'll suffer for that. And you'll suffer injustices. But you're not supposed to be quiet. Because you're going to be experiencing injustices and these things. And because of that, you're going to be quiet. In spite of the injustices our lady saying, in spite of suffering and persecution, betrayal, you still speak. Don't let it silence you. It's love without end with God. What's the secret of the Father's love? Unconditional love. Daddies don't love their children every now and then. They always love them. They love them because of the good. They want the children to be good. We've lost this. So even when the mistakes of the children, when they fail, they get in trouble, no father's love ends with that. And the God the Father's love is not that. It doesn't end that way. He's always with us. We need to realize that and stand up for what he wants us to believe in. I got sent home from school one day with a shiner on my Fighting was against the rules and it didn't matter why. Dad got home, I told that story just like I'd rehearsed. Then stood there on those trembling knees and waited for the worst. And he said, let me tell you a secret about a father's love. A secret that my daddy said was just between us. He said, daddies don't just love their children every now and then. It's a love without end, amen. It's a love without end, amen. When I became a father in the spring of 81, there was no doubt that stubborn boy was just like my father's son. When I thought my patience had been tested to the end I took my daddy's secret and I passed it on to him I said, let me tell you a secret about a father's love A secret that my daddy said was just between us Said daddies don't just love their children every now and then. It's a love without end, amen. It's a love without end, amen. Last night I dreamed I died and stood outside those pearly gates. Suddenly I realize there must be some mistake If they know half the things I've done They'll never let me in and Then somewhere from the other side I heard these words again and They said let me tell you a secret About a father's love secret that my daddy said was just between us. He 
see daddies don't just love their children every now and then. It's a love without end, amen. It's a love without end, amen. And let's thank God that our Father in Heaven has this love without end because... We don't even desire, deserve to be here as a culture right now. And it's only His mercy that's allowing this. So we we have to follow Him through what our lady said. God gives me words to convey to you. Or his, she said, actually, the messages are conveyed from God. So these messages conveyed from God are something that has given us the manual, given us the instructions, given us the template to put over all these issues to see what we need to do. And you have a right as a father in your home. To follow God the Father. And to censor what comes in your home. And in your school. Demand it. I, I remember as my kid, one of my sons went third or fourth grade. They were going to show Back to the Future. Uh, I went and rented a movie at the time. Because we still had TV. To see what was on it. And he used God's name in vain. I walked into the principal's office with my wife. About ten minutes before they are going to show it. And I told the principal, you're not going to show this. She said, well, we sent something home for all the kids who, who didn't want their kids to see this, the, the parents that didn't want their children to see this. And uh, if they didn't want them to, they said, I said, no, no, you didn't hear what I said. You are not going to show this movie. And she says, she stood up. I stood up. I had my fingers on the table. My wife had the fingers on the table, on our desk. And she says, we're going to show it. I said, no, you're not. This is a Catholic school. You're not going to show it. And she says, what's your problem? My wife leans over right in her face and says, it uses God's name in vain. And so <clears throat> she refused. I said, I'm going to go talk to Father right now, that pastor. At that point, she comes across the hall. All the kids are already sitting on the floor in front of the TV. We didn't have big screen TVs at that time. And she says, we're not going to show it. See, when I went to Father, when I was ready to go to Father, then that one changed everything. I went to the authority above her. And if, if, if that wouldn't have worked, I wouldn't have went to the bishop. If, if that worked, it would, I tore it up. Okay. Sometimes in your own turf, there's some certain things you can do. And so I walked in there with the kids and says, blame it on me. I stood up because this used God's name in vain. And this, this was pre-Mejigoria. You know, where's your fiber? Where are you standing up and saying, no, this is enough? It's one thing to go to a secular public school to do that. can't do that. But your, your own Catholic school, they had nothing to stand on. She as a principal had nothing to stand up against me. And I stood up against it. And you know what? This principal hated us for it. But, you know, since that time, she's been here in the field at the apparitions. You know, I forgave her. We forgave what she did. We welcomed her. We hugged her. See, this is what it means to love and forgive and compare. Stand up against it. I didn't hate her for it. She just wasn't going to do it. So let's go back to the encyclopedia. You know, today many persons, including some, some civil libertarians, object to the new permissiveness in the arts and the mass media. They claim it debases the public taste, corrupts the senses of decency and civility, and even undermines civilization. You mean obscene stuff can undermine civilization? Nobody knows that today, do they? You mean Hollywood producing their filth undermines our culture? Nobody even knows that. 
Okay, let's go back in a little, a few years back to Plato. Plato was the first philosopher, this is an encyclopedia, the first philosopher to formulate a rationale for intellectual, religious, and artistic censorship. Plato believed that art should be subservient to morality. Whoa! This ancient, ancient man living in pagan days, they had this much refinement that he says that the arts should be subservient to morality? Plato believed art that could not be used to incalculate moral principles should be banned. Whoa, he's a book burner back then. Pope Paul III in 1542 established the Congregation of the Holy Office. One of his duties was to examine, this is encyclopedia, secular encyclopedia, by the way, this is not Catholic encyclopedia. One of his duties was to examine and condemn heretical and immoral works. Pretty amazing. This same office, the Congregation of the Office, that he established in 1542, today is the same congregation of the doctrine of the faith, which today, and the encyclopedia says, occasionally publishes lists of books that were recommended for reading by Roman Catholics, or not recommended by Roman Catholics. And we go on and on with this. So, see, what we've been taught with the word game is censorship's a bad thing. Censorship is a good, a holy thing. If you're not practicing censorship, you, you will have others practice it. Somebody's going to practice it. And yes, totalitarian governments and other people like that use this in the wrong way. But that's what's happening to us right now. We've got people using this in the wrong way. You cannot say in companies certain ways that people live in and certain ways that people behave is wrong in the workplace. You can't denounce it. So you can't call sin anymore what sin is. And so don't be silent. You know, how are we going to get through this? It won't be easy. You know, do we want to just pull our shades down in our houses and not look out and be like ostriches with a head stuck in the ground? Ali's voice is always there. She tells us how to get through these trials. You know, are we going to get through it? Are you going to get through it? Only if you stand up against it. And only in the midst of that, you're willing to forgive those you have to stand up against for what they insult you with. Because that's where the insults come from, is when you convict. If you're going away with the world, you're not going to be persecuted. If you're not doing something that's going to cause you to be insulted, you won't get insulted. If you're going along with everybody and whatever they want to do, there's no reason to betray you. You're a weakling. Nobody will betray you. These things come as a result of standing up. You break new ground. And you're called to break new ground in spiritual life. Like he says last month, renew your conversion. We experience this hope because the promise of God will be our strength in these weaknesses. So there's nothing that's ever formed against us that succeeds as long as our hearts are turned toward Our Lady. We need to realize that. We need to understand when we stand with her, we break new ground a new Wayne culture that will grow in the seeds and grow up to be a holy place to live, a happy place to live. Pull the shades down on the sun Don't want to see the morning break to another day I don't have the strength to face Close the door and keep it 
comes to us today to tell us to get through this, how to get through it. It's forgiveness, but don't back down. And again, a big thing that we've learned um, is that she wants to speak. She wants us to speak with our witness first, with our holiness, to radiate that holiness. You can only do that by standing up against the direction of culture. 
in a culture as it grows in darkness is going to become stronger, or we are, one or the other. One of them is going to prevail over the other. And if you think, okay, we just got to be neutral, and that's all that's going to happen, that's going to just going to be a, a, you know, we don't have to do anything, everything's going to take place, you're very wrong. And you misunderstand the message. So Our Lady's got a wonderful way to be real strong about these things, I'm telling you, and yet come across so beautifully uh, soft. But when you get in and penetrate them, you know, she, she, was, a, she was a tough lady. I, I know that might not be the proper way people might want to talk about Our Lady, but she, she was tough. I mean, she went through a lot of things in her life, what she stood up for, and uh, never bent, never sinned, never conformed. So in many ways, you need to be a nonconformist. You need to be a revolutionary. Because there's people out there that are nonconformist toward Christianity and revolutionary. And either they'll win or we will, one or the other. And again, we'll, we'll win by our love. But we'll win by our love of God and standing up for those things in midst of what they throw against us. So if you've got any announcements you need to make for our next show, the next broadcast will be on Friday, September 25th, and uh, join us there at 7 p.m. Central Time. So, as we end this show and as we leave you tonight, we want you to realize that there are people out there that um, you're going to have to forgive if you stand up against them. And they'll come after you. And we see you know, on these news reports that so that's exactly what's happening. So, with Our Lady, that's all we need. So as we end tonight, we wish you, Our Lady, we love you. Good night. <laughs>